You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. One of the biggest challenges in any business is called over-functioning. When you over-function, you teach people to under-function and there's a lot of unintended consequences. Today, I interview one of our amazing coaches. Her name is Ariel Jude, and we show you what the problem is and show you how to prevent it from happening in your practice. Make sure you listen up. I know you'll enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know the jam here. We get to bring on real challenges, real issues, real problems that you have. And we get to talk them out with some of the world's best thinkers, teachers, coaches. And I have an amazing coach on today. She's a lead practice coach, Ariel Jude, And she is going to be talking about something that's crazy important to you, to me, to everybody in this world. And it happens. It's called overfunctioning and what to do when it starts to happen. Because I'll give you a little glimpse. When you overfunction, you teach people to underfunction. You are also miserable when you overfunction. Overfunction is, I'll just do it. That's what you say to yourself. I'll just do it because it's got to get done. And what you don't know is you create a ton of unintentional consequences. So today we're going to help you diagnose this problem and you'll get back to it consistently over the course of your career. So Ariel, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about it because I've been seeing it a lot with our clients lately and just over-functioning and their teams are the ones that are hurting. Yeah. Now also too, I'm going to be super transparent because I love to just do that anyway. Um, We are experiencing this too. So not only while we coach clients that are experiencing this, our company is growing. And so when you take on new things, you're like, wow, no one can do this. I'll just do it for a little while. And then you realize I shouldn't be doing this because this is, these are skills and capabilities I don't have. And you just think they just have to be done. But let's start here first. I want you to define Ariel over-functioning. What is it? It's when as a person, right? Or as a leader, as an individual, we're just taking on too much responsibility. And that means we're really trying to either control things that we can't control or we're trying to fix it. We're trying to rescue the problem. Um, 
I would see, and even common for the business owners, and I think as you probably have experienced, is when we're doing too many things that aren't essential all the time. We may feel that they're essential, but they're not necessarily essential at this moment, and they're maybe not necessary. So we're just taking on way too many responsibilities. And as you can imagine, that leads to a lot of burnout. Right. And so I'll tell you what that means for me. I've been doing this for a very long time. So I'm going to add some illustration to what you just said, Ariel. And I see it most notably in photography for dentists. That's where I get to see it. So dentists learn how to do photography because they went to Scottsdale or they went to Seattle to learn how to do exquisite photography. They come back with a brand new camera and they don't let anybody touch it. And they're the only ones that can take the photos because they know exactly what they're looking for. And what they do is they spend all their time trying to get the photos right when and what it ultimately does is it takes energy away from what they do best for the practice, which is create relationships, treatment plan, and actually do the dentistry and all of those things that are important for patients to move forward. And they spend a lot of time trying to get all these photos right and what you realize is that somebody else can do that. That's just one particular example. But um, what are some other characteristics of overfunctioning that you see, or maybe some other ways that we can define this? I think there's a lot of examples. And like you said, it's there's a lot of examples within the office of they're just doing things that they feel, right? It's out of our own anxiety or our own insecurity that it needs to be done, or maybe someone else can't do it as well. Um, I see a lot of dentists and a lot of my clients, they're involved in a lot of the basic administrative tasks, right? And they're really daily execution of just tasks that that's what your team is for. That's what they can do, right? Like the photography, there's lots of team members that would love to do it, love to learn about it. I have one client, she checks the notes at the end of the day, every single patient, she's checking their notes. So it's just constantly, you know, doing things that team members, they are happy to do. But as you mentioned, we're training them to underfunction, and maybe those team members just no longer do it because why would they? Right. The doctor's done it for them for years. Right. Now, as we're going through this, I want you to look, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to diagnose it from all parts of your life. Even my children, I love them, but I know when I'm over-functioning, it teaches them to under-function and they'll just say, well, dad's going to do this anyway. And I know that's very, very unhealthy. So let's talk about a little bit more about the practice. Let's go back to the practice. What happens when you're constantly reminding your team and coworkers? What happens when you're like all over them about that? It really demotivates them, right? It's now you're constant on them about something that they're not doing right or you're doing it for them. Then I, I think that becomes a disconnect, right? Now you have this goal. You have this idea of where we should go as a team, but the team doesn't feel that because they're not engaged. They're not engaged in the process either because they don't feel the need to, or you've trained them that way. Maybe they used to do it, you know, or maybe we never gave them the chance to. So I feel like, you know, as dentists and as leaders, we just take that on and right, and we start working on it and we say, well, we'll just do it because it needs to be done. And it's easier if I just do it because we all know the process of training is tough, right? It's not easy. It takes time. It's slower than if I were to just do it myself. But that's a short-term fix. 
right? What's the long-term goal? And, I, and that's where we start beating ourselves up, right? Because then we start feeling like, oh, we're not doing enough because we're not getting to the big things. We're, we're never being productive enough. But you ultimately can't when you have too many things on your plate at one time. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're using the magic word is time. So a couple of things come to mind when I overfunction. I'm wasting a lot of time. I'm also spending time in areas that I'm probably not the best at. My work gets messier when I overfunction. It probably has to be redone again. And it's a story that I tell myself. Now, we all go there. The important thing is to correct the behavior when you're going down. And we're going to talk about solutions here in a little bit, but I think it's it's important to really flush out a lot more of the unintended circumstances that happen. Like one of the thoughts is, well, team, you know, dentists will just say, well, I'm going to create these goals for my team and I'm just going to give them goals. So does that work the way we want it to? I mean, no, (laughs) right? Like, could I tell you, Kirk, you know, hey, I have this great goal for you. You're going to run an Ironman at the end of the year. You can be like, uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. It's the same thing for team members. They're like, what? Where did this come from? Why? They don't even know how to get there. So you just can't set these goals because of the lack of engagement. And you think, oh, I'm going to motivate them. I'm going to encourage them if I give them this goal. Right. And that's just not how human beings work. Right. That's how technology works. You can put in a function in a system and say, hey, go do it but we have real live team members. Right. Absolutely. What are some of the other circumstances of overfunctioning? I think one thing you see is a lot of resentment, right? Is then as a leader, and Kirk, you probably felt this, is when you do start doing all of this and you feel like you are working harder than everyone else or you're putting in more energy, you're working longer hours, you start resenting your team members because you feel like they aren't giving the same amount of energy to the same situations. Right. It's a mutual resentment because you think they're not working hard enough and you're working way too hard. And you're like, you know how many hours I'm putting into this? Now we already know that's not a good place for both of us to be. We are starting to become out of equity. And as a leader, the key piece to a leader is start to learning, start starting to learn when your behavior is becoming unhealthy and the organization itself is becoming unhealthy. Um, so, um, and what about other people's perceptions? There's always something going on with that. What happens with that, Ariel? Yeah, we start well, we start creating a different reality and perceiving, you know, what what our team members are thinking. Oh, they just don't care or they're not trying, right? And that's not true. And then as the team members, they start saying, well, all they ever do is they correct what I'm doing, or they're always looking behind my back, or they're always fixing it. So then they get frustrated and start perceiving that uh, their leader or their dentist just doesn't trust them. So then, and I say that, you know, as my team says, well, as a team member, why would I the effort in if you're going to go behind me and correct it. And then it gets to the point of, well, I'm just not going to do it because I know you're going to do it anyways. Right. And so what if you're upset with me? Right. And then when everybody gets upset, you know what I like to do? I just want everybody to be happy and get along. So we'll just kind of, you know, put this to the side, but does that help? No, because now you're 
So now you're over-functioning, you're doing all of these processes and systems that maybe you shouldn't be doing. The team is now no longer, they've disengaged, and now you're over-accommodating in their emotions. And so then what do you do? You say, oh, okay, we don't need to do this anymore. And now you're back to square one of feeling like you're not doing enough. It's a vicious circle when you catch yourself in this cycle. Right. And if you're like me, halfway through this podcast, you're always like, okay, Ariel, you're diagnosing what's going on. So I I don't, you know, um, where do I go with, with this? And, and, and let's talk about perfectionism. We have to talk about perfectionism too, because sometimes we all just want it to be perfect. And is that a good mindset? If you're trying to set yourself up for failure, right? Because we know that perfection, it's, it's never going to happen. You can't get there, right? You always have to worry about the progress. And if you're working for perfection, you're not going to be able to stop and celebrate the successes of where you've come, right? You, If you're looking, okay, I'm going to get a little bit better. I'm going to do one thing better today. It may not be perfect, but I improved. Um, I went golfing last night and I didn't do as well as I'd like. But when I texted my family, I was like, you know what? Overall, last night was not as good, but I'm still getting better. Right. And, and if I'm worried about, you know, beating everyone else on the course, well, that's just not going to happen. I just started, right? And you can't compare yourself to, because you don't know where they've been, right? I'm on day two, they're on day 102. Right. Absolutely. And I think the important piece is like, we're looking for progress. At the end of the day, you want a healthy company in which everybody trusts each other. And this stuff ultimately steals from trust. It just chisels away at it. And your company, your practice works best when you have the right people in the right seats. We're going to talk about that in just a a second, which is the function accountability chart. Um, But the negative consequences of over-functioning, they just cascade. You got more stress, there's tension, you become more depressed, you feel more disconnected. It's emotionally exhausting you know, detachment, it's a big one. You feel super isolated when this starts to happen. Oh my gosh, I can, I can actually recognize when these things happen. Um, you know, anything else? What, what, what happens now? That's just for the business leader. What happens with the team, Ariel? Well, the team starts feeling that, right? They start seeing that you're stressed. They start feeling it. And as we've already mentioned, right now, there's a dynamic of now the team's under functioning. So not only as the dentist, they've created more stress because they're over-functioning, which is going to lead to them to continue that process. Team is now under-functioning. So now we have an even bigger divide. And now the dentist is like, well, now I really need to fix this and rescue it. So they start over-functioning again. And that's where they get into that vicious circle. And I think they really need to stop and say, okay, hold on. What is causing this? Because a lot of the time, if they're, you're disengaged or you feel your team is disengaged, what has caused that? It's not just all of a sudden the team doesn't care, mm-hmm. right? We've probably done something to get them to that point. Um, so it really comes to self-awareness. And, and then I say the second step is to recognizing it is, you know, what are some of those untrue or unhelpful beliefs that you're telling yourself, right? Maybe you're saying like, well, I just have to do it or it won't get done. Right. First, is that true or is it not true? Maybe it's true or sometimes it's not true. And then it's like, okay, well, if it's not true, why am I telling myself this? 
right? And then you have to say, maybe it is true, but is it unhelpful for me to be thinking of it in a negative way? How can I change it? Because we start thinking of, oh, the way the team should be functioning or the responsibilities, right? And I think that's when we start looking for that perfection and we start just telling our things negative consequences and untrue and unhelpful beliefs of the situation. Yeah, I'll give you another example. The untrue beliefs, that's so true, Ariel. One, if you're a dentist, one of the ones that I've heard classically for more than 20 years is, well, the people I have just aren't the right people or they're not smart enough. Let me help you with something. You have very smart people around you. You just haven't created a situation where that has proven to be true. Now, hold that thought because the story we tell ourselves, it gets bigger. It gets worse. So I'll tell you today, if you're listening to this podcast and you think your people are not smart, it's time to take a vacation. It's time to get away, take a clarity break, get away from work, actually, and just take a deep breath. Because when you come back, you'll see you do have smart people around you. And so you got to break that that ceiling on that thought, too. And I'll go back to the other thing that you said, self-awareness. Sometimes I didn't know what overfunctioning was until I went to an, an amazing course with Brian DeRoche. If you guys have ever been in a course with him, he actually put words to it. So being self-aware, I just thought I had to do everything all the time. Thank God I took that course probably 12, 15 years ago. And then I actually had a, had a framework, something to call it out. And now we've got a great coach who can call it out too. So, and that's Ariel, that's what you do too. Just call that out. So if I'm a dentist listening and I'm over-functioning, what should I do? Give me a, give me the treatment plan here, Ariel. Where do I start? Well, I think the first part is start respecting your time and energy, right? It's all of what are we putting our energy to? And you always say, right, like put your energy to the things that only you can do and that you enjoy. So if I enjoy doing a particular task and that's something that I am the best person for the job, well, I'm going to do that. Right. Let's help start delegating and helping team members do the tasks that they enjoy. Right. Because you have to start honoring your boundaries, because if you don't honor your own boundaries, how are you going to expect team members to honor those boundaries? Right, right. And just to further illustrate that, your practice works best when you do only what you can do for your practice. Not what you, not everything you can do for the practice. But there's a few activities, you can call them your unique abilities, you can call them your gifts, you can call them your superpowers, whatever they're. There's a few things that you do if you're a dentist, if you're a team member, if you're an office manager, if you're an admin team member, if you're a hygienist, whatever, that when you do them, the business works best. You got to figure out what those are first, don't you think? Absolutely. Because those are things that, you know, usually... When you're really good at something, you enjoy it. Right. So there's probably a handful of things that, yeah, I'm really good, but I don't care for it. But I would say most of the time, right, if you're in this profession and you're a hygienist, those are going to be things that you really enjoy. And those are going to be things that other team members don't care for and that are take more time and more energy. And it really helps dividing that. And I would say that leads us into the second step is, you know, what is our functional accountability chart say, right? So when teams say, these are your responsibilities, these are your daily tasks, do they align with that team member's strengths? Right. Because if it's not, 
we're really sucking a lot of their energy out. And then that could cause me as a leader to say, okay, well, they're not doing it or they're not doing it very well. So now I'm going to start doing it, right? I feel that responsibility. And so I think we just have to evaluate is, is everyone have the appropriate tasks? And then you can start evaluating, okay, right people, right seats. Right. Yeah. And so whether you've read Scaling Up or Traction or any other book, there are things called accountability charts or function accountability charts. And Gina Wickman says in the book, Traction, that 80% of your problems exist in the function accountability chart. So think of this, create a chart for your business. Who does what? What's your role? What's the department head roles? And when you get the right people in the right seats, which means they fit your core values and they can produce results in those spots, all your problems go away because you don't worry about what happens in that department. Now you might think, well, I only have five people. What a great opportunity to create the best function accountability chart of all time because it's simple. Everybody has a role here and it's the function accountability chart is best, is, is set up best to, um, to serve the practice. So I'm going to add one more thing. Your problems, 80% of your problems exist in that chart, but I will also tell you 80% of your success exists in that chart. Your ability to get right people in the right seats in your function accountability chart will ultimately determine your success. You get the right administrative team member, like an Ariel, which you can't have because she's a coach here, working your front desk. She's going to collect all the money, make everybody pay. And your fees are probably going to go up in no time. And you'll go, whoa. And then you'll ask her, actually, you won't even ask her how she does things. You'll go, I don't even care how you're doing it. Like, just keep doing it. You get the right chair site assistant in the right spot in your function accountability chart. He or she changes your life in 60 day, in 60 seconds. Getting the right hygienist in your function accountability chart changes every conversation with every patient in one week. So, Think about it in, in those terms. How do we do that? And ultimately what it does is as you create this chart, it frees up more time. That's the thing we never talk about is like when you create a chart, it's not to create a bigger practice and more people. Every layer that you add to it below of more people coming in, they should free up time of the person who's above them. So if you have a team leader in hygiene, they should free up a lot of your time. If you have a team leader in chairside, they should free up a lot of your time. If you have an office manager, they should free up a ton of your time. So don't just hire people and then do their jobs for them. No, you want to get good at being, hey, say, I believe in you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you succeed here. And I want you to talk about delegation too, because that's like, that's a big word. It sounds great. It's wonderful when you can do it. But a lot of people, myself included, don't really do it well consistently. What does that mean? Well, I first want to say is why you don't delegate well. And I think it goes back to your own anxiety and your own insecurity. Right. right? Or you're telling yourself that untruthful belief or unhelpful belief of that team member or that person or like, oh, well, if, it, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. That's probably not true. So I, I wanted to go back to why are we not delegating before you get into, okay, what is delegating? That's actually, delegation is not just handing over tasks, right? I could say, oh, well, I don't want to do that, so I'm going to give it to someone else. That's not actually what delegation is. Delegation is really looking at a team member's skills and strengths and saying, you know what? Honestly, they would be really good at this. 
I really trust that they would get this done. So when I'm delegating something to a team member, that's what I'm telling them is, hey, you have a skill set that I do not have. You have the ability to do something better than what I can do it or faster, right? Or more efficient. And I would really like your help with this. Yeah. So if you approach it in that way of, oh, I'm not just handing over tasks, right? I'm actually giving them opportunities to show their success and to prove to themselves and to the team that they really are an important part of the team. That's what the delegation is. It's looking for opportunities um, and, you know, helping them see that. So let's say, right, we already have a full team. We don't need to hire anyone. We go back and we say, okay, we have our function accountability chart. And now I know you can't just go dump it on the team members, right? It has to be a slow process because we have to make sure that we're setting them up for success. You can't delegate 10 tasks in a row, right? We have to make sure that they have the tools, the training and support and that they're comfortable with that task before moving on. Because if you do just throw it all on them, now it does feel like, oh, they just don't want to do that anymore. So now I need to pick up that slack. Right. And again, it never, it freaks me out when you say it takes time because we, we want everything right now. And what, what happens is people that get results can show you right away that they want this, they're good at it. You know, you don't have to wait forever to see results. You can actually see results in a couple of days. You know, the ultimate compounding of those results is what takes time. So it's important. And you also have to understand that they have to go through these stages of change. This was not my role before, but it's a new role and I'm willing to learn. And we create space for them to be able to check in. And I love how you said that, like engaging them in thoughtful questions, like how do you think this should be done based on the vision? Um, what approaches have you tried? You know, because once they become thoughtfully engaged to it, they'll put together solutions that you'll say, wow, I never even thought of that. Yeah, I actually created a spreadsheet on, you know, adjustments and how it all works over the last couple of months. And I can see when we're short, we're up and you're like, whoa, that's so cool. Um, you just have to believe it's possible because these are self-limiting beliefs. When you don't think it's going to happen, you start to tell yourself a truth and it becomes reality. And that thought process gets cemented and it's limiting forever. So, Ariel, this is a big one. Any key takeaways or final thoughts you have on overfunctioning? I think it really goes back to what limiting beliefs, right? Are you telling yourself? Become self-aware and then trust it. Trust the process because you'll be surprised how well your team responds and how empowered they feel once you step back. You will realize that, oh, I do have a really good team around me. I was the one that was being their ceiling. I was capping their abilities. So once you take a step back, you'll really see that teams become empowered. They become enthusiastic. They become more engaged. The more that you give them, the more opportunities that you allow for them to have during their day-to-day -day work. Absolutely. It frees up so much brain space, builds so much trust, and it gives you the collective confidence. I'll piggyback on what you just said, Ariel, from my perspective. You only have so much time. You guys have heard us say this a million times. Time is the new rich. 
So you only have so many hours in a week. Your challenge is to figure out what you're best at, which is your unique, abil- your unique ability, your superpowers or whatever they are, and figure out how they can dominate your schedule for the most part. So if you're working 40 hours a week, I want to be spending 50% of my hours using my superpower. 75% of my hours using my superpower. Now I'm in a whole nother place. I'm enjoying it. And you want to help your team members do that. And it changes the ch- it changes the shape of the game. So um, the key piece here is to recognize when you're over-functioning and call it out either with us or with a coach or yourself to say this is an unhealthy behavior for me and for everybody else on our team. Sound good? Yeah, I think now we just need to hold ourselves accountable when we do see this happening. Absolutely. So Ariel, you are the best. Thank you so much. And I know um, we've got a great handout for this and some other things. Now I'll just tell you guys that our To The Top Study Club, which is one of our favorite things we've ever done, This particular coming quarter, we're going to actually be going through the function accountability chart, right seats, right person, how to do that, check-ins, how to build a great practice that's extremely healthy, that frees up this brain space, creates that trust. And you're going to see a lot of people in that room that are doing exactly the same thing, building a great team. And using your unique abilities and not over-functioning is a great piece of how happy you're going to be in the future. So join us if you would like to see how this actually works. We wanted to give you a glimpse of what's going on in the world because we see this stuff a lot and uh, let you know that there's a solution for it. So we're going to put a link down into the show notes. So wherever you're consuming podcasts, I don't care where you're flip up to the show notes, you're going to see a link to our To The Top Study Club. Click on it. You're going to be speaking to Gina. Gina can arrange an opportunity for you to come. You're going to see some great tools. You're going to see us go through the tools. I promise you, they're tools that if you use them well, will make your practice and your life better. So make sure you check them out. So again, Ariel, thanks so much for being on. Thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, just do us a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends. Keep joining us for the podcast because we're going to keep bringing it with great information and great teachers and great coaches so you guys have a better practice and a better life. And until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.